This week on Geeksplained, the first installment of a brand new month-long series features a crash course on the genre of anime, as well as the best shows for newcomers to watch. Welcome to Anna May. You know, because it's because it's anime, and it's the month of month of May. You get it. You get it. Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and welcome to Anna May. This is a month-long series that we're going to be doing, doing a deep dive into the genre of anime. We're going to be talking shows, we're going to be talking its influence on film, we're going to be talking anime through the years. It's an entire month-long series. You asked for it, you got it, and... Along this journey that we're going to go on through anime, I've brought on some of my favorite collaborators, some of my favorite uh, experts on the genre to help me guide you through this wide, vast sea of anime. It's a huge genre that has spanned for decades, and so I needed some help to really give a full and complete look at the genre. This week's episode is our first installment, and it's going to be taking a look at just what anime is, as well as giving you some shows that you could check out if you are interested in that genre. They're going to be shows that are easy to watch, shows that you can jump right into without having to know a whole lot of stuff and shows that I think provide a really good glimpse into what anime is. And joining me on this installment is a good brother, very longtime friend of mine. It's Kanan Bakhtel, and I'm really excited to have that discussion with him. Also, we have our newest weekly review on the latest episode of Harley Quinn, as well as, of course, this week's comics callback. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, so I've got some news for you this week. Why did my voice cracked there? Did you hear that? Ooh. Quarantine's tough. Quarantine's been a been a tough couple years. Anyway, uh, I have news for you this week. We have, of course, our four categories: film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. And for once, since our um, our quarantine orama began, uh, we have news in all four categories. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Let's jump right in to miscellaneous. And our miscellaneous news is touching on the same subject that last week's miscellaneous news uh, focused on, which is Last of Us Part 2. Uh, last week we talked about the leaks, the multiple leaks by apparently a disgruntled employee, though now we're starting to get reports that it might not have been a disgruntled employee and it might have been just the uh, the product of hackers, which is unfortunate. However, um, Alongside the delay, alongside uh, the reports about hackers, you know, leaking out plot elements, 
Uh, Neil Druckmann, who is the kind of creative director over at Naughty Dog and the kind of head honcho on The Last of Us Part Two, has confirmed that the uh, game is officially going gold, which I had to look this up, means that everything's done, game is completed, it is out to uh, be made into discs, and we will be getting the game officially on June 19th. So is that that's just over a month away. Uh, it's pretty exciting. I am surprised, especially considering all of the uh, leaks that came out. Still haven't looked at them because I hate spoilers with a fiery passion. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't want to take more time to kind of, I don't know, I honestly don't know how the uh, process of video game development works but I'm surprised that they didn't want to take a little bit more time to like I guess uh, change up some of the plot or anything like that but um, I'm looking forward to it I'm really looking forward to seeing what they put together uh, in a statement that he released on YouTube Druckmann stated that you know this is the most ambitious game that he's ever worked on that there's a lot of love and a lot of heart put into it so I am really excited to pick this up when it comes out on June 19th moving up to film and TV news because they kind of go hand in hand uh, there it's all Disney stuff so so just bear with me here. Uh, but first off, we have the first remnants or the first teases that New Mutants might be coming to video on demand. Uh, this week, New Mutants popped up on Amazon available to pre-order. So we might see the release of New Mutants very soon. They usually only put up these pre-orders for video on demand like within the same month that it's going to release. So... Um, it could be that we might see this by the end of May. Who knows? Uh, so if that does come out, I'm looking forward to seeing finally what this movie <laughs> is supposed to be. Um, over on another Disney property, uh, Star Wars. This week was May the 4th as well as uh, by the time that this episode comes out. Revenge of the 5th? Or, yeah, right? Revenge of the 5th? Revenge of the 6th? It's one of those. But, um... This week saw not only the conclusion of the uh, final season of The Clone Wars, but also some exciting Star Wars news. Uh, first off, on TV news, uh, there is a new Disney Plus Star Wars show that's going to be coming to the... Um, to the streaming service uh, it's going to be headed up by and i know i'm probably going to say this name wrong but i'm going to try it anyway i think it's leslie headland um, if you are not familiar or the name might sound familiar to you she was the creator of russian doll that show is fantastic and i'm really excited to see what leslie headland brings to uh the brings to the world of Star Wars, or the universe of Star Wars. Uh, Headland is going to be writing, executive producing, and show running the series, but all we know about it is that she's in charge of it, and that there is going to be a female lead. That's really all we know, so pretty much it's nothing. Um, so I'm excited, I'm looking forward to seeing what she brings to the table, and then we also got some news in the movie front, because it was also announced during this time uh, that Taika Waititi who directed the final episode of uh, The Mandalorian and was a presence on that show as well, uh, is going to be directing and co-writing a new Star Wars feature film. Really excited about that, but I'm even more excited that he is going to be co-writing alongside Christy Wilson Cairns. If you don't know the name, she was uh, the scribe, the script 
screenwriter responsible for 1917, one of my favorite films from last year. So having her along with Taika Waititi is going to be fan-freaking-tastic. I am so excited. Really looking forward to this. Looking forward to seeing exactly what they bring to the Star Wars universe. It's going to be really, really fun. And now moving on to our final piece of news, which is, or a final category, I should say, uh, comics. We have two pieces of comics news. Uh, First off, this week does mark the return of comics to comic shops. Um, It's very uh, touch and go based on where you live, uh, what what your shop is going to do, what they're getting, all that stuff. Uh, So I would check in with your local shop, see if they're getting these comics. But uh, DC is releasing comics this week. Uh, In fact, by the time this episode comes out, they will have already released comics this week. Uh, The comics specifically that are coming out this week, uh, now will have been yesterday by the time this episode comes out. Time time has no meaning here, especially in quarantine. Uh, But the comics that came out this week on Tuesday, May 5th, are Batman and the Outsiders number 12, The Flash number 73, Green Lantern season 2 number 3, Hawkman number 23, House of Whispers number 20, and Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity number 4. Now I've got a lineup real quick on the next few weeks so we're going to roll through that real quick so next week on tuesday may 12th we'll probably be going over this again but i figure it'll just be a blank i'll go through all of them so that if something really catches my eye then i can talk about it but for now for here i'm just going to go through the full slate as it's been announced so like I said, next week, Tuesday, May 12th, they're going to be releasing Harley Quinn, number 72, Justice League, number 44, Justice League Odyssey, number 20, Lois Lane, number 10, and Metal Men, number 6. The week after that, uh, Tuesday, May 19th, uh, DC is releasing uh, Wonder Woman, number 755, Red Hood Outlaw, number 45, Plunge, number 3, The Flash Giant, number 4, Dollhouse Family, number 6, and two comics that I am really excited about, uh, Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 10, and Deceased Unkillables, number 3. That is the concluding chapter in this uh, tie-in story for Deceased. I am going to try my best to get those comics, but... Who knows? Who knows at this point? Um, I haven't checked, but neither of my local comic shops, as far as I know, are getting the uh, getting these comics as they're coming out. So I would have to drive like at least forty five minutes to the closest shop. I'll have to check the um, the shop locator again because they have a whole website um, dedicated to showing you where your closest comic shop is that will be carrying stuff in the next few weeks. And then finally, uh, Tuesday, May 26th, DC will be releasing a big old batch, including Aquaman number 59, Basketful of Heads number 7, Batman Beyond number 43, Books of Magic number 19, The Flash number 754, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe number 6, Justice League number 45, The Lolo Woods number 5, Mad Magazine number 13, Our Fighting Forces Giant number 1, Suicide Squad number 5, Teen Titans number 41, and The Terrifics number 27. Uh, On the Marvel side, Marvel's been a little bit more conservative in their... and their rollout for new comics, but they are waiting a little bit. They've chosen to wait an additional week before releasing uh, new titles, so they're basically going to be doing uh, alternating weeks from what it seems like, from what I've looked up. Um, some 
it looks like most companies are going to be trying to distribute stuff uh, starting like May 20th. The majority by then, like the majority of companies will start distributing again. Marvel's going to wait until uh, May 27th, and then it looks like alternating weeks. Just I guess to mitigate, you know, all the craze of trying to find comics and stuff. It's going to be very, very slim pickings. Uh, so if you don't get your stuff quickly you're gonna to have to wait on it for a little bit but uh marvel on may wednesday may 27th is going to be releasing amazing spider-man number 43 avengers number 33 marauders number 10 star wars dr afra number one and venom number 25 so that is the full slate of comics that are coming your way for this month um like I said, really only uh, two to three comics out of this whole slate that I'm actually interested in picking up. So I will be tentatively dipping my toes back in there. And during this month, I will be continuing on with my uh, segment geek or the, uh, the comics callback. So I'm going to roll through it. The plan is right now to go through and continue until uh, the end of May. And then we'll kind of see and reevaluate where we're at where we're at at that point but for now expect all the way through may the continuing sequence of um comics callback but now going to the news that i'm really excited about i have to talk about it on monday when this episode comes out it will have been two days in history but on monday tom taylor writing extraordinaire author of deceased deceased unkillables and some of the best superman moments of the past three years teased something on twitter he was like hey comics fans do you want to check out or do you want to get a tease of something to which all of us were like yes of course expecting a deceased uh dead planet tease but then he released a piece of art featuring big blue the big blue boy scout superman saying uh something borrowed something blue coming soon something new which to me means that as I've been talking about, Tom Taylor is finally going to be writing Superman on the main book. I am freaking stoked. I'm so excited. I haven't been this excited about Superman comics since um, Rebirth. I am so, so excited about this, guys. I've been talking about... Um, since last year about wanting to see Tom Taylor make the jump into the mainline Superman book because I cannot stand uh, Bendis writing Superman at any point in time. I just can't do it. So I am absolutely over the moon about Tom Taylor taking up the Superman books. Hopefully he's taking... Um, the mainline Superman book or action comics. I think when one writer is writing both, yes, there is a synergy between the two, but it also kind of stretches out uh, the stories that can be told between two books. So I would prefer like him to be on Superman and then bring back somebody, um, somebody else on uh, on action comics. We could bring back Dan Jurgens. We could bring in uh, somebody else if they want to. Uh, I mean, bring back. Um, bring back um gene gene lang like or gene yang like bring back these people who need to be uh need to be shown as great superman writers like if superman versus or superman smashes the clan is any indication um gene lun yang needs to be back on a mainline superman book and he was writing superman for a little bit there so um if you have him on action comics tom taylor on superman i will be all set i'm i'm just 
Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited about this, guys. So um, that does it for this week's news. We're now going to move and mosey right on into our main course, the entree, if you will, of this week's episode, which is our first installment of Geeksplained Anime, featuring the best anime to jump into for newcomers with special guest Kanan Bakhtel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the debut edition of our full month of Geeksplained Anime, or as I've been calling it, Anime, because it's because it's anime, it's the month, you get it, you get it. So for our first, our first piece, our first episode of this series, I am joined by a very good friend of mine, a good brother, and a longtime friend of the podcast and the podcast host, Kanan Bakhtel. Welcome to Geeksplained. How you doing? I'm doing swell. Thank you for having me, Eric. So um, I think it's fair to say that you've been an anime fan for a pretty long time, right? Yes. <laughs> Almost long enough to make up <laughs> for the things I don't know about anime, but I'm still excited to be here. <laughs> Awesome, man. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, real quick, just to get everyone kind of acclimated to what we're going to be talking about going through this entire month, we're going to give you a quick little crash course on anime. I'm calling it the intro to anime. We've got four different categories that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to get into the big, uh, the main course of this, which is the anime that you should watch to get started. Kanan has three, I've got three, we're gonna kind of hopscotch back and forth with them, but before we get into all of that, we gotta make sure that everyone is kind of up to speed and on the same page. So, starting off, what is anime? Anime, in the simplest terms, is Japanese animation, in a super paraphrased rough definition of what that is. It's just Japanese animation, it's been around for, god half a century if not more and it is steadily growing throughout pretty much my entire life i know kane and you have also seen kind of alongside the rise of comic books the rise of anime mm -hmm. and its prominence has grown throughout the years for sure definitely especially considering um something like you know cartoon network and adult swim i mean that's really probably been the biggest gate into that universe for us in the west than anything else i mean yeah absolutely and i i remember my first anime that i watched was on cartoon network and that's great <laughs> that's a great shout um it was on toonami because toonami was the best uh with tom it was tom right yeah tom Tom, the little, uh, little uh, android sitting in his chair. 
So anime, basically, at its core, Japanese animation, um, it's very similar to uh, your normal standard Western cartoon, but there are a lot of differences. Kanan, can you speak to that? Yeah, um, I feel like in recent years, um, recent, um, maybe the last eight or nine years, which is by no means a sound <laughs> piece of evidence, but uh, I feel like there has been more of a blending in terms of what to expect one versus the other. But for a long time, I feel like the biggest distinction has probably been like having some kind of through line that you're telling a story that is dependent on you having seen the last one and the one before that. Because uh, Western animation has been mostly full of hijinks and you know little bottled episodes and you know they're they're cute and they're fluffy and they're fun and they largely appeal to children and uh anime has i i, I don't know if edgier is the word that i want to attribute to it but i mean you know anime often takes on a lot more adult themes and that's not just to say like it's promiscuous and sexy but you know as in terms of like actual struggles whether they're really high fantastical or or down to earth um <clears throat> there's uh there is a story being told like in actual live television um that you know you haven't seen a whole lot in western cartoons for a long time Absolutely agree. And I think you're right. We've seen over the course of the last decade, kind of the permeation of anime into Western cartoons. Like, it's not uncommon nowadays to see cartoons that have a more serialized format, where it's like they have a through line. Whereas when I was growing up, like cartoons like Ed, Ed, Nettie, uh, Johnny Bravo, Courage, Cowardly Dog, those were very Western focused. And it was very much like every episode is its own story. Like you have characters in them throughout but there's really no through line and that also affected i would say our video games now a lot of people who aren't huge anime fans may unconsciously be anime fans just because of the video games that they play because a lot of video games and especially some of the bigger like rpgs um, games like that really have their base, their DNA, in what anime is. Games like Kingdom Hearts, games like Devil May Cry, those are games that are very influenced by not just the serialized nature, especially when you're talking about Kingdom Hearts, um, <laughs> of anime, but also the stylization, the characters, the plot points, right down to the weapons. Like, anime was the progenitor of skinny guy wielding a giant sword. <laughs> and with Final Fantasy VII Remake out right now, like, that's starting to, like, really get, like, oh, man, you know, anime and video games really go hand in hand. Yeah. And even in games that you wouldn't expect, like Dance Dance Revolution, which I know you have a <laughs> soft spot and a deep love for. Or... Excuse me, sir, I have a pedigree. <laughs> Until I go to round one, and I'm like, look, I play on the little hard mode. And then someone's like, I've got a camera, and I'm going to sit here for 12 hours, and you're going to be blown away. And then I realize that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not that good, Eric. <laughs> I just have fun. 
<laughs> but no, and like even games like that that you wouldn't really attribute to it are very much like based in anime. Games like Resident Evil as well, heavily heavy anime influences. Anime loves their monsters, especially zombies, vampires, werewolves, anything you want to get in there. Anime has probably made a show about it. Um, but video games kind of get to uh, get a pass and kind of fly under the radar with their influences on anime, usually due to localization. This comes in the form of having a Japanese version of the game, like a UK or a European version of the game, then a US version of the game. And a lot of times games get that localization, but sometimes games don't. Recent games like uh, the recent Jump Force, which is very, like, it stars all anime characters, um, doesn't have a localization per se. They do have like English menus. Um, English language is inherently in the game mechanics, but the voiceover for that is usual in that game specifically is all Japanese. And in a lot of games like Resident Evil, like Kingdom Hearts, you will see the option to switch over to the Japanese uh, voice cast. And a lot of times, you know, that is. A little bit of a gateway towards the argument between um, dubbing versus subbing. Now, Kanan, can you explain a little bit what that means? Yeah. Um, well, you see, there are people that like to listen to things in English, and then there are people that prosecute them for it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but seriously, I, I mean, it really is... Um, I feel like it's really an argument between authenticity versus accessibility. Um, I think is probably like the biggest point there. And I like to imagine that I'm my opinions middle somewhere in between those two, because there are kind of like different degrees to which you can understand dub. I mean, like, for instance, a lot of the anime that have been a big deal for us growing up, such as, you know, Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, you know, mostly shonen stuff. Um, One of those might reappear later on in the segment. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, there is a propensity for when those things do come to the West that they totally get bleached out. I mean, like, that's anything from blood, violence, promiscuity to, I mean, Sailor Moon. Like, totally, I mean, you know, there are there are some great big lesbian loves in that. And then they came to the West in the 90s and it was like, oh, they're just really friendly sisters. So as far as that kind of stuff goes, I hate it. I don't like it. Thanks, but I don't like it. Um, but then there's, you know, there is a measure of quality that has consistently gotten better throughout the years, but used to be really bad where it seemed like they would give anyone $10 to just record these lines. Um, you know, and that's not to talk ill of these voice actors, because I think a lot of that was no one knew what they were doing. Here is a piece of media from a completely different country with a completely different society. And now we would like you to ascribe them emotion and context and feelings. And I think that that has steadily become less of a problem over the years. Um, you know, I think on a case-by-case -case basis, sometimes you really don't want to lose that authenticity. Um, you know, like, for instance, one of my favorite animes, which, <clears throat> as much as I love it, is not on the list of animes I would introduce someone to, but um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is... Oh my god. I feel like is basically, like, sci-fi anime Twin Peaks. So, <laughs> in something like that, where what people are saying and their tone and inflection is very important... 
I'm sub all the way because like the sub the the dub in English totally different sometimes to what's being said doesn't capture the emotional authenticity of what's being spoken um and sometimes you just you know read a read a read a darn subtitle it's not that hard you know last week i watched parasite and it was amazing and i wouldn't i'm sorry but a small little point that i would like to get into is i think that it's very interesting where like sub and dub is a thing in anime that people have strong feelings either way about like who in their right mind wants to watch a dubbed foreign film like that's not that's not a thing but for some reason in anime there is like a point of contention and there are sides to that but if someone was like oh yeah we're gonna dub parasite i would tell them to go take a hike because that's weird Maybe that's because one is a an illustrated medium and the other is human beings and one is easier to imagine someone talking over than the other. I'm not quite sure. But um yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's a good point because we have seen in the past with specific movies they do get that localization and it sounds weird. Like there is a, um, there's a show on Netflix. It was like a, it was a Danish uh, horror show. I can't remember the name of it right now, but like they offered both dub and sub for it. And I was like, I, for me personally growing up, I've always (laughs) been a dub guy. I've always been a dub guy and I started watching it and I could not get through that first episode because it was just, it sounded, and I think you made a great point here. So inauthentic and the authenticity versus accessibility argument, I think is a perfect analogy. If you are a person who is just getting into anime dub all the way because you're going to want to have a through line for you as a as an auditory and visual um, audience you're going to want something that you can follow along just as easily as say like a pokemon or like a more western cartoon like a bob's burgers a simpsons something like that where you can see a character you know what they're saying without having to read on the screen but as you go along you might find that you like the authenticity of subs and i for sure with certain anime like one that i'm going to bring up the sub is completely just on another level when it comes to vocal performance and that's not to say that the dub is bad but a lot of times these anime are made by japanese studios for japanese audiences and so they have to make that as authentic to that culture as possible but when it comes to american audiences or really just english-speaking audiences in general you might be lost when you're trying to figure out you know i know this i've seen this i've heard about this i've you know i remember playing pokemon i remember the Yu-Gi-Oh phase like i want to get into more shows that are of that same ilk while Mm. also being maybe a little bit more higher quality and that's like you know quality is i think in a lot of terms especially with anime like a subjective thing but when you're trying to get into the genre you really want something that's going to be easy easily accessible something that is fun to watch and something that makes you want to watch other shows in that same genre and that brings us to the big um 
the main event of this segment, the which is potatoes. the meat and potatoes of this. <laughs> See, now, now we're reaching out to our European audience. Um, <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I'm sorry. Oh um, my god. We are going to be talking about the anime that, as someone who is just trying to get into it, you should check out if you're interested in this genre. Kanan, you have three. I have three. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth talking about our picks. And thankfully, none of our picks are the same, which I was a little worried about because there are certain... Um, Venn diagrams, as you know, they might be called, where it's like all of the easily accessible anime are right here in this bubble, and so there's a lot of um, uh, crossover when it comes to that. But thankfully, the ones that we picked are not the same, so I'm really excited to get into this and really talk about what makes these work. We would have had to delay this episode by like three weeks if you, you picked the same ones. I would have been like, well, <laughs> I'm gone, I'm gone, there's nothing else that can be done. I'm not smart enough for this. <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into it i'll go ahead and go first um just to kind of give our audience and our listeners a sense of the format here uh the first one i have mentioned it before mentioning it here again uh it's dragon ball specifically you can go either dragon ball dragon ball z i wouldn't start in the other two anime which i will touch on in a moment but <laughs> the one that I really think you should look at is Dragon Ball slash Dragon Ball Z. Uh, this is probably the most famous anime when it comes to Western audiences. You can throw a rock up in the sky and it will pretty... I think the odds are pretty good that you'll hit someone who knows who Goku is or knows what a Kamehameha is. So it's something that is so embedded into our pop culture now uh that it's probably the one you're going to hear about the most if you're just getting into it the premise really simple uh the premise of uh dragon ball we'll start with dragon ball is that there is a little monkey boy named goku who lives in the mountains and he is encountered by a girl named bulma who is a scientist looking for the mystical dragon balls now the dragon balls are seven magical orbs that when you bring them all together they um, they summon a wish-granting dragon. And so the two go on an adventure to find these dragon balls and hijinks ensue. So that is like the <laughs> base of the original Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z takes Goku as an adult years and years later. He has a family now. And he encounters someone with ties to his past that change his entire worldview and really the entire course of the anime for the entirety of its run. So those are the basic premises here. When it comes to pop culture, people know who Goku is. You have seen kids, you know, trying to shoot Kamehamehas at each other, like all the time. You'll see, I have seen it in uh, sporting events where it's like, really like in-depth anime kids are like raising their hands spirit bomb style for their team to like win <laughs> i've seen this oh it's so imbued in our pop culture everybody knows like if you go up to somebody and is like oh hey man 
there's your Vegeta. You instantly know that's your rival. That's the guy who hates you. That's the guy who's following you. That's the guy who's probably shorter than you with a spikier hair. Like, that's, you know what that term means. Uh, there are also different eras. I touched on it just now. Uh, there's Dragon Ball that started the whole thing. Dragon Ball Z was its natural evolution. And then we get into the other permutations. So we have GT, which is, in my view, a non-canon continuation of the series. <laughs> <laughs> or you have Dragon Ball Super, which is the most recent of the sagas, we'll call them, or the eras of Dragon Ball, where it is a true blue continuation that's been going on for the last few years. Um, it really feels like a true spiritual successor to Dragon Ball Z, much more than Dragon Ball GT ever felt. And then in the past, you know, like five, ten years, because this originally came out um, in the late 80s, early 90s, was when Dragon Ball was really first, like, hitting its stride in Japan. And... Um, Recently, in the past 10 years, they have started, especially on uh, American cartoon networks, uh, airing Dragon Ball Z Kai, which is basically in all, um, in the simplest way I can explain it, Dragon Ball Z Kai is Dragon Ball Z without all of the filler. And filler is a rampant problem when it comes to anime, because a lot of times when you are trying to... Uh, adapt a manga, which is Japanese, uh, basically Japanese comics, into an anime. A lot of the times, you are trying to keep pace with the uh, mangaka, which is the artist slash writer of the manga. And so, at a certain point, the anime will get to a point where they're like, oh shit, we've caught up, and we still need to put out an episode next week, so you know what? They're gonna go drive cars today! And like, that's something that happens a lot beach episode classic beach episode you see it in almost every single anime and what happens is a lot of times the filler will get very dense there's an anime called inuyasha which is i would say about 85 percent filler there's really only 15 percent of that story which is the actual story but with dragon ball um, there was a lot of that kind of rampant problems, especially in the era of Z. And Dragon Ball Kai is very much a simplified format. The older style animation um, is cleaned up and given kind of an HD regloss. And you get to see it at its, you know, at its best, really how it was supposed to be um, consumed as an anime. Now, I'm going to talk about some pros and cons because no anime worth its salt is without them. Uh, going into pros, uh, number one, you've probably already been exposed to it. The reason that you should jump into this, you already probably have a base knowledge. You've already heard of Spirit Bomb, Goku, Vegeta, Frieza. Um, another one is it's at its core, it's a fun adventure with a really large and engaging cast. Goku is a wonderful lead because he is somebody who feels like he is a fish out of water in every situation, and you get to see how he, as someone who is not dumb, no, yeah, dumb, going into these situations which require a lot of thought, and you get to see each one of his supporting cast shine in those kind of situations. And the last thing is it's still ongoing. You can find, you can start really any place, though I wouldn't start with GT or Super, because that would be super confusing. Um, I would start with, like, Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, even, because I remember I watched Dragon Ball Z before Dragon Ball, and had to go back and watch Dragon Ball to gain some kind of, like, context. And 
It's still ongoing today. Super just wrapped up its initial run last year, and they have already put out a movie. The uh, manga is still ongoing, which means we're going to get more adaptation. And so it's one that is absolutely worth your time jumping into. Now, there are some negatives when it comes to the show. Um, the quality from arc to arc, especially in Dragon Ball Z, seems to be on kind of a declining rate. The Saiyan arc is great. The... Um, Frieza arc, wildly different direction. The Cell arc, wildly di different direction. And the Boo arc, which I would say, in my opinion, is probably the weakest, uh, is also very, very different. Uh, the show also tends to get overstuffed. You've heard the complaint that, you know, someone will start to charge up their beam attack in one episode, will take the entire episode to charge it, and then won't fire it until the next episode. That is a legit criticism. That happens. Um, there is a fight at the end of the Frieza saga that says very clearly this fight is going to be over in five minutes and that five minutes turns into 26 episodes <laughs> so there is a lot of overstuffing um, and then third just GT I'm not going to say anything more than that that's a negative in all manners of argument for it it's just it's a negative um, but it is absolutely still worth your time. Now, where to start? I touched on this earlier. Um, if you want the complete story, definitely start off with Goku's Adventures in Dragon Ball. You get to see it start as kind of a more of a ad fantasy adventure anime and slowly evolve into a martial arts fantasy anime. Um, if you want just Dragon Ball Z, just the meat and potatoes as we talked about, uh, Dragon Ball Kai is really the place you want to start. And you can watch all of this. The best place to do that is on the Funimation Now app. It has everything literally everything having to do with dragon ball funimation is the place to do it so that is my first anime kanan what is your first anime um well let's see okay <clears throat> so i'm just i'm gonna open with my controversial pick oh okay because i <laughs> i don't know if controversial is the right word but i just know someone is gonna be like oh of course the guy who says he doesn't know that much about anime would pick that one <clears throat> especially when that one can be debated but i'm trying to approach this as i'm sure you are as someone who's just like totally unfamiliar with this um this paradigm of animation and um is probably hesitant whether that's out of like fear or you know like oh well that's just I've heard of this animes, and I don't... It's not for me, you know, because there's a lot, even still, um, with how much, like, pop culture has become something to embrace and cherish, and to be embraced and cherished by people that might not necessarily look like they fit the bill for, like, an anime fan or a comics fan or something like that. Um, uh, there's still kind of like, uh, ooh... Like, we don't talk to the anime people. You know what I mean? We don't collaborate with the anime people because there are <laughs> there are tropes about anime fans and anime itself that people have unfortunately been biased by, so they miss out on all of this stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ways to introduce someone to something that is unfamiliar and familiar. So, <clears throat> that being said... Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> I love how you did this whole preamble just to validate your pick. 
<laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I don't know all the people that watch your show, Eric, but I just had to preface it in case someone was like, who's this clown, this charlatan <laughs> who's been invited into my precious nerds podcast. <laughs> so tell me more about Avatar The Last Airbender and why you think it would be a good anime to start people on that, that adventure. Well, I feel like in a very safe environment, you're able to explore a lot of the things that anime has to offer you without having to necessarily watch an anime. Now, that being said, if someone is so hung up on anime that they're like, hmm, a children's cartoon program, then there's no saving them. But that being said, Avatar, much like, you know, Dragon Ball Z is one of those things that I feel like is known by a lot of people, even if it's just vicariously. Like everyone, you know, everyone who is into some extended nerd knows about bending and ang and appa and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, for anyone who's already seen it and loves it, you know, um, that's great. But for someone who might be hesitant to get into anime, well, Avatar The Last Airbender is, you know, still on this side of the pond. So, you know, if there are any trepidations there about breaching the gap into anime, then that's one hurdle removed. It's also, you know, it is indeed kid-friendly, but, you know, you don't have to get into the promiscuous... <laughs> um... <laughs> corners of anime that i think is another barrier for some people so you're just you're just there and getting a story avatar is in has been talked over and over again by its creators uh being something that has been majorly you know influenced by anime and eastern philosophies so you get that you get that flavor and that perspective while also eh, i guess you could describe it being maybe um what's the word i'm looking for watered down not to say that it dilutes the quality of Avatar, but it's not an anime. I'm, I don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm telling you that it's an anime. It isn't, but, you know, it has a very engaging story that, you know, is told in a relatively tight, you know, th four seasons? Three seasons? I know there's three I think three the original was three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three, three seasons. Not, you know, that I think is a really big pro for it because, you know, most anime, it's like, oh, you want to watch One Piece? I hope you have 10 years. <laughs> so, so no, you get, you get in there, you get a taste of it, you like it, and it's gone before you can, you know, start to, you know, I don't know, find a lot of mistakes. Um, it is, you know, for kids. Um, so, you know, there is that kind of, you know, like, oh, well, okay, all right, like, let's watch everyone hold hands, you know, Ooh. but that being said, um, you know, it, it's accessible and at no point, I mean, honestly, you could write college papers on the narrative and the plot and you got your characters like Zuko, who are absolutely the epitome of like, um, turncoat villain to good like it's just mwah, it's he's one of the best literary characters in our entire lexicon and i will go to my grave standing <laughs> on that hill so you know if you can get past a couple of episodes you'll start to see where it is for kids but is 
intellectually sound and has a really good foundation. And I think one of the biggest things about anime is being thrown into a universe and getting to see what it's like to be an agent in that universe. And Avatar is really good at that. It cares about its world as much as its cast of characters. So I, you know, I, I feel like if you watch Avatar, if you don't feel comfortable with the animes, um, anime i'm sorry i'm just being silly but you know if you feel uncomfortable with anime i feel like avatar is a really great place to to start because you watch that and you're like well i like this and then you can kind of transplant yourself into something in anime that might be a little bit weirder a little zanier maybe a little bit harder to follow but you'll see those things that you liked about airbender that like translate over so pros and cons um I mean, it's not an anime. There's a lot about anime that you are gonna just run right into when you finally start your first one, like, in earnest, that you were not prepared for. So, it's not a perfect, like, you know, stepping stone into that larger universe. Um, it, um, you know, I, I think a big pro for it is that it's, it's relatively short and sweet, you know. Um, there is actually some filler there are a couple of episodes that are this like okay this beach is for... episode <laughs> oh my god they're really there literally is a beach episode i just remembered oh my god and the fire nation with zuko and azula and oh my god it's oh. one of the best episodes it's anime <laughs> um gosh i mean i i'm i'm a really hard person to say to say bad things about this so eric you're more critical than i am do you think there's <laughs> anything else that should be said as far as like you know what maybe what's not in the wind call wind 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 column what's not in the what? wind column? well what's not in the wind column it might be more in the fire or earth column um is that you know, it is ultimately, you know, this was on Nickelodeon. So it is ultimately a kid's show. There are certain kids' sensibilities. And if you are not prepared for that and you're looking for a more adult-oriented show, this might not be for you. That being said, there are a lot of things that these kid characters go through which would make even an adult in those situations buckle. So it's a very well-done show. Um, there are certain... I would say there are certain characters and certain plots that do feel like they kind of go nowhere. Um, but overall, the positives really outweigh the negatives when it comes to that show. Uh, I think it's one of the best cartoons, anime, western, whatever, that has ever aired, personally. I think it's an incredible series that is absolutely worth your time. And if someone wanted to watch it, where would they... Where, where would you tell them to start, and where do you think they should go to watch the show? Uh, well, it is on Hulu, I've heard, but people speculate about this all the time, that it's coming to Netflix. But I think uh, May 15th Really, is okay. what I'm seeing, yeah. Well, Netflix and Hulu. Those are those are your for sure's. What I would recommend, um, <clears throat> because uh, you're right, uh, as far as like the kid sensibilities goes, um, that's a really big thing. I feel like especially like in the first couple of episodes, you know, if that's something that you're hanging on and you're like, mm, I don't know about this kid stuff, then they're not going to sell you. Um, if you don't mind, I am going to, I want to be able to say the name of the episode. Um, but you remember, um, 
Aang's backstory and Zuko's backstory are told in tandem mm -hmm. in one episode um, where Iroh is reflecting, is, is telling everyone on their ship because uh, yeah. he's, Zuko is hunting Aang, the Avatar, because he's been disgraced, just in case there's someone out there who hasn't um, seen, seen Avatar. But the two of their stories are told in, in tandem. Um, Zuko's disgrace and, well, basically Aang's disgrace, how both of them have failed and what they're trying to overcome. It's the first season. Um... I think it's called The Storm. Yes! Yep, thank you! You smart, beautiful man. It is the storm. That's the episode. If you've never seen an episode of Avatar, I don't care how many episodes into season one it is, watch that. And if you... Ooh, okay, this... That was... That was smart. Watch the rest of it. Hell, am I allowed to say that on your podcast? You can... Yes, we, okay. we are... <laughs> we are okay to say those words we're all friends here <laughs> i just wanted to make sure we didn't have a conversation about that beforehand and i'd hate this, to alienate this, this, a portion this, of your this audience. is a safe space <laughs> okay uh, it, you know if you're really worried just just keep going from there no one will ever know unless you tell them but that that should sell you if it's going to be of any interest to you that episode should sell you for sure nice i like that i like that a lot it is kind of cheating, but that's okay. Um, the my... other two are actual anime, I promise. <laughs> and they're well-known, reputable ones, okay? So, I get, everybody so, gets one. Everybody gets one. So, um, my second anime is One Punch Man. Now, this is an anime that <clears throat> is one of the newer anime. It, I think its first season ran last year. Uh, for the first time, but year and a half. Yeah, something like it. it's recent, and it's probably out of my picks. It's the most recent out of my three. And One Punch Man is probably out of these might be the least well known out of all of them, <laughs> which is a shame because the premise is their world is a world of superheroes and superheroes have been turned into an industry. There are um, sanctioned superheroes who collect a paycheck, who are part of this like superhero headquarters. Um, they're all tiered from S to C. They have to do an exam where they do, you know, physical and written stuff. And our lead character is the eponymous one punch man known as Saitama. Now Saitama is very interesting because he has become so incredibly strong that he can defeat anyone and everyone with a single punch. Hence, the title. And <laughs> that's pretty much the premise of the show. Now, this is for people who are fans of comics, who are fans of superheroes, who want to jump into anime. This is a great um, this is a great entry point for you. Kanan also has a really good entry point that he's going to talk about. Um, but this is really fun because a lot of times, especially in comics and comic book adaptations, we see a lot of gritty realism in our stories. <laughs> and while there is definitely some of that in this, this show is purely comedic. This is a show that does not take itself seriously and really invites you to have fun and really enjoy the show. Um, Jumping straight into prose, uh, the action. There is 
So much great action in this show. Studio Madhouse did this anime, and it shows because their fight choreography is insane the character designs the world building that they do is really really cool there's also it's a different treatment of superhero storytelling i touched on it before but a lot of times seeing superheroics and the um the idea of being a superhero is not at least from my experience, usually taken as like an industry. And I love stories that touch on that. And so you get to see like what it's like to be a registered superhero, how there's like politics within it, how there are, you know, there's hazing that goes on. Like it's really interesting to see that world and see a different treatment of the, um, of that idea of superheroes in our world and it also another pro that Kanan touched on it's a short first season the first season is only 12 episodes it's really accessible um the episodes are 20 20 to 25 minutes each i went through the entire first season casually watching it over the course of two days super easy super easy to watch really really interesting the cons because i have to talk about the positives as well as the negatives uh the premise of saitama is going to be a real sticking point for a lot of people because saitama runs in the same problem that superman does for a lot of people who are trying to get into comic books saitama is quote unquote too strong he is too powerful. <laughs> he is never at any point put under struggles. And that can be a real sticking point for a lot of people who will look at Saitama as a character and say, no, that's boring. I don't want a character who never has to go through any kind of struggles. I would argue that in the same way that Superman does, Saitama's struggles are more internal. And he goes through a lot of character development over the course of the show. But um, the premise of Saitama, what, the guy who can end any fight in one punch, is going to be a problem for some people who are, if you know, you're jumping from that, or if you're jumping to that from, like, say, Dragon Ball Z, where it takes you know 25 episodes to fight someone, <laughs> like it can be jarring and it can be, it can really throw you off. Another con, um, it, it is not family friendly. If you you should not have kids watch mm. this show. There is gore, <laughs> there is nudity, there is violence, there is a lot that happens. When Saitama punches someone, they either A, get thrown backwards, or B, burst into pieces. There's a lot of blood, a lot of gore, and um, it is a very adult anime. So if you are trying to jump into one, if you're trying to jump in here from, like, say, Avatar The Last Airbender, you will be surprised. You will be shocked. Because there is a huge difference in its... Um, in its target audience when it comes to that. And then the final uh, the final con that I have for it is it's very formulaic. Every episode is basically, all right, we're going to build up the bad guy. Saitama's going to punch him. That's the end. And those are the three beats that are in pretty much every single episode of the show. However, once again, the way that they get to each of those points in every episode is interesting because even though the plot points may be formulaic the way they get to them usually isn't there's a guy who in one of the episodes the villain you know turns his brother who just wanted to be a strong bodybuilder into this giant you know attack on titan style like behemoth uh there's another episode where this guy is using a using like an armored suit to upgrade his strength and then the i think the crown jewel of the season is the sea king arc the deep sea king oh. 
it's mm, incredible. Bless, bless. Um, but the way that they get to it is really interesting, regardless of how every episode is very formulaic. Uh, the cast, the supporting cast under him, is also really, really good. I really recommend it. Characters like Genos, characters like the greatest hero ever created, Moomin Rider, is like, characters like that really make the world shine and make every episode shine because you want to see how they react to Saitama, how they are affected by Saitama. You know, what happens when this character who can pretty much make the rest of the world's superheroes obsolete comes into a political structure of heroes who have maybe they're super strong maybe they've just been kind of coasting by and you get to see how that world builds so i would say where to start for the show you start at the very first episode it is exactly what the show is going to be and if you aren't hooked by the first episode you are not going to be hooked by the rest of the season i would say even if you don't get hooked by the first episode if you can find it in your heart to watch it through the deep sea king arc is the best that the show has been period bar none it is excellent and it is worth it just to get to those episodes uh where to watch you can watch it on hulu has the entire first season in dub and also has the uh, second season in sub currently. Hulu's been really good, I've noticed recently, um, yeah. about putting anime on. Um, it's how I watched one of Kanan's picks that he's going to talk about. And it's also where I've been re-watching a show called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Now, that is not on my list, but it is an excellent show that I would absolutely recommend. And you can find all of it on Hulu as well. Um, you can also find the first season in sub on Netflix. So if you have Netflix and you don't mind the sub, check it out. You can also find it on Crunchyroll, which is kind of the nexus for all of anime. If you want it subbed, want it dubbed, that's really the place that you're going to want to go to find everything. So that is my second pick. Kanan, what is your second pick? Well... Since we're on the subject of superheroes, <laughs> it's My Hero Academia. Yes, I love that show. Which I um, I know you've mentioned this before in a podcast, but I'm just so proud that I was finally the one who managed to open the pickle jar. <laughs> that was Eric Casano watching My Hero Academia, because I was too busy thinking about you in like the first five episodes to really <laughs> absorb all of that show. So um, to to give you some context, people have been telling me to because this show has been on since what 2016, 2017. Yeah. So people have been telling me to watch it since 2016, since the very first episode debuted. And I just, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have time. I was watching other stuff. I was busy. And then during this quarantine time, it was just kind of a perfect storm. Kanan, you know, texted me out of the blue at one day and was basically gave me this just overwhelming endorsement for the show. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll watch the first couple episodes. And from there, you know, my love for the show has only grown. So Kanan is absolutely the person who got me on the show. And if anything, he is going to be the person that gets you onto the show. So Kanan, tell us the premise of My Hero Academia. Okay. <laughs> so, um... It is, much like uh, One Punch Man, it's a world that, you know, is rife with heroes and heroism and uh, this big complex world about how all of those work. Um, uh, not to 
I don't mean to just repeat everything Eric has already said in his episode about My Hero, so I'll try to to be as brief as I can. But basically, um, at the core, people are born with quirks, and quirks are manifest in anywhere to a little party trick to something that could devastate the world. So you could be able to, you know, uh, one of the characters secrete the sweat he secretes is... Secrete, secretes the sweat he secretes that's a tongue twister um it has um as not oh my god not nitrogen what am i thinking of what of all the things to get hung up on nitroglycerin thank you uh so everyone has these wild and different abilities and um the main character the protagonist um midoriya doesn't have a quirk and has gone up his whole life um, obsessed and admiring the greatest hero ever, which is All Might. And all he ever wanted to do was grow up and be like All Might. And he learns at a very young age that he doesn't have a quirk. He's one of the few people on Earth who was born quirkless. And, you know, he still won't let it up. Like, he doesn't give up. You know, I cried... In that episode, you know, when he learns at a young age that he doesn't have a quirk. I cried so much. I've cried so many times during that show. But anyways, <laughs> um, so, so he doesn't give up. And uh, if you don't already know um, the little lightning in the bottle, I'll just say that um, Deku, which is his hero name, um, uh, Deku doesn't just, oh, find out he has a quirk. It's far more interesting. Um uh, how he ends up getting a quirk and that was honestly that bam when that happened that was what sold me on the show because i was like okay he doesn't have a quirk and then oh i have one and okay sure i feel like i've seen this before but it's way more interesting um what i really like about this pick and one punch man as well because you know there's a lot to talk about that involved the two of them is i feel like a superhero anime like what a time to live in, ladies and gentlemen, because superheroes are such a... I mean, you know, like, grandmas got a Green Lantern shirt. Like, superheroes are in! They're in! <laughs> so, you know, if you're familiar with superheroes, then there is a lot that you can attach yourself to in both of them. I feel especially with My Hero Academia. Um that feels familiar. You're in a world that you've been kind of in before. And, but it also has, uh, the benefit of kind of being that, um, that superhero palette cleanser, because, you know, much like the great Western, you know, it dominated the, the cultural landscape for so long that eventually it was like, Oh, okay. I want to see riff on this now. I, you know, I want to see, uh, I want to see some true grit and some spaghetti Westerns and some blazing saddles. You know what I mean? Like then things come along and really shake up the paradigm and like make it interesting again. So like, if you really like superheroes and maybe you're kind of burnt out, on all of the superhero stuff, it's a great way to find some subversions that'll like really make you excited again about superheroes. Um, cons. Um, 
because I feel like I've just been hitting all the high notes right now. I don't know if <laughs> if I've talked about anything that takes it a step back. Um, I will say that the way is okay. Hold on, let me take a step back. My Hero Academia is a shonen anime, which is a very popular anime. Yeah, e- explain what form. that means. So basically, shonen anime is. Um, Anything that follows the the journey and the growing up of a young male protagonist. Uh, so anything like, I mean, Dragon Ball Z, um, Naruto, One Piece, um, Bleach, other too, ones. Yeah. Bleach, thank you, thank you. Yu Yu Hakusho, mm-hmm. Hunter x Hunter, right? Um, wildly popular demographic of anime. So that being said, it is very much like a shonen anime. And um, that that being said, it's I feel like a lot of its appeal might be to to young boys. Um, but I feel like I feel like my hero does a really great job of branching out and really letting you enjoy all of the characters that it has to offer. It is such a wide cast. Um, so there's a lot of people to attach to. I will admit, though, that I think a lot of the female characters in it are are lacking the dimensionality of some of the male protagonists, you know, where, like, um, I mean, they're great. I mean, I love them. They're great characters, but, like, you don't get, like, that that deep well of drive and, and, and emotional depth that you get out of, like, Deku. And so that can, you know, that... Uh, that sucks. <laughs> um, and um, what is her name? Uh, I'm so bad with my hero character names. But um, uh, the girl with the gravity powers. Um, Uraraka. Uraraka. I love Uraraka. She has some particularly great, meaty episodes and drives and stuff like that. Uh, of On the scale of female characters, she's probably like the highest one as far as like the depth of character that you get however she is still part of kind of like that classic female um side character in a shonen anime where it's like i like the protagonist a whole lot but i and the rest of the audience have to wait for them to grow as a person enough for us to be in a relationship so to a certain extent it feels like she's there because deku's there and that you know, that kind of bites. And I feel like you already get enough of that kind of stuff in Western fiction that you might not take <laughs> to that part of it super well. And um, uh, the other thing is, um, listen, I'm just going to say it. The sticky ball kid. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. I hate him. I do. Well, and you know what's interesting? What I've noticed that he is... He kind of represents a lot of the negative aspects of what people kind of attribute to anime fans. And so seeing characters like that, that kind of reflect a certain portion of the audience, it's a little, it throws you off and it's a little jarring. Um, but he it's definitely... It's nice that they encapsulated it all into like pretty much one character. Absolutely. Who never really gets what he wants. So like, that's nice. Yeah. He mostly pays in pain and suffering for his perverted antics so at least they like condensed it into like one thing that you're allowed to like not like if you don't 
But he is, him and his, I feel like that's like the biggest blip on the, oh, oh, this is an anime radar that you'll come up against, um, is definitely the sticky ball kid whose name I don't remember either. And I don't really care to, um, <laughs> tell, t- tell me how you really feel about the character. He sucks. He's sticky. <laughs> and I don't like sticky. I don't hang with the sticky. Um, one other thing that I really want to talk to about its merit, though, is um, I love I love sweet little Deku as a protagonist because he's not he doesn't have all the bluster and all the I'm an edgelord that you find in some shonen anime. Like he is he is a revolution as far as like a male protagonist goes. He's sweet and he just really cares and he just wants to help people. He's not in it for any kind of glory. You know, he wants to be the world's greatest hero because he wants, you know, bad people to, you know, to step back into the shadows and and leave everyone else alone. And he cries and he cries a lot. And sometimes I get a little sick of everyone being like, oh, that Deku, what a crier. Like, it's a joke. But, I mean, I'm really interested in any, like, male protagonist that challenges, you know, what is consistently normalized male behavior enough that, like, people on message boards who are, like, really into anime are like, oh, I hate Deku. And say awful things that I'm not going to repeat on this podcast. But, you know, it's, um, it's nice, you know. Things change. Things grow. Deku is, um, he's like, he's my sweet little boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's, what really is great about the show is it honestly does have something for everybody. If you want like an inspirational lead, you've got Deku. If you want that classic, like Shonen Edgelord, you've got Bakugo. Like you've got like these (laughs) characters throughout who are engaging and are a fantastic supporting cast. Um, the way that Kanan marketed it to me was basically like, Hey, do you love Superman? Then you're really going to enjoy All Might. And I do. I absolutely do. Um, you see a lot of, at least watching it, I saw a lot of like Deku's kind of hero worship for All Might in how my hero worship for Superman has been ever since I was a little kid. There are relatable characters who have kind of transcended the norm and you get to see that throughout there are deep characters throughout this show not as many females as i would like and i think you know over time because the anime is still going um it will grow and it will change and it will evolve just like all anime does over time but overall i think it's a great show it's absolutely a great gateway show especially if you're a fan of superheroes and comic books now where would you have an audience start the show and where can they find it if they're interested um so <laughs> this isn't an ad for hulu by the way but it really feels like it doesn't it hulu i just want to make it clear hulu is not sponsoring us but they could totally sponsor us but they are not <laughs> sponsoring this episode but go ahead <laughs> Uh, you can watch it on Hulu, sub and dub. It's got the first three seasons. The fourth one um, isn't on there yet. Uh, you can, however, find it on Funimation. Um, you can find a lot of this stuff on Funimation. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's on Hulu, it's probably on Funimation. And if it's not on Hulu, it's probably on Funimation. <laughs> um, now, as far as like starting it out, like there is no better way to get introduced to this world and the characters in it and Deku and All Might and their relationship and just everything. Just first four episodes. Treat it like a movie. 
take two hours out of your out of your evening to just cannonball those first four episodes you know like how some tv pilots are basically a movie like battlestar galactica you know you treat it like that because those first four episodes really give you they tell you what the world's like they set up this deku super objective and at the same time cater to the tropes of superheroism while also totally subverting them and you know um i Listen, I love Superman. It took me a long time to get there. <laughs> this man virtually in front of me is kind of how I got there. But it's really interesting, you know, to see how they, they play off of that and um, do some things that they might not ne necessarily have done with Superman before. Again, I'm not the expert. I'm sure Eric could, like, cite me 17 <laughs> comics that, oh, well, actually. But that being said, um, it it it's a complete story in an in of itself and there's an emotional catharsis on deku's journey and each episode and um i mean if that doesn't sell you you know then i really don't because there's all sorts of great stuff that happens but you know it's really those first four episodes that like set the sails for the rest of all of the great stuff i mean if you finish it and you're like well eh, that was okay Maybe keep going along, but I really feel like that first, those first four would give you a strong indication as to whether or not, like, you're ready to bear down and watch all of it. Because we moved in, my roommate and I moved into this apartment, and he was the one who finally got me to, like, sit down and watch it. And I think I watched, like, eight or nine episodes that first night, and it just got worse. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for something to binge, man, that's not a bad call. Yeah, and I think it's it's honestly it's one of those great. It's also a recent anime, um, but it's just it's so good. It's a really really great show. So um, that brings us to the final picks for both of us. Um, I am doing a quick thing. Give me one moment. Okay, so uh, my final pick is um, a pick that I I don't think a lot of people would look to initially. To introduce them to anime but it's a pick that i think is important and looking at when you're making that crossover you take a lot of uh your own abject biases your experiences into a show regardless of whether you intend to or not so for me as someone who grew up with superhero comics and superheroes as a genre i was very that's kind of my bias and my through line if you have that or you have some semblance of that that's going to that's going to hook me immediately. And the show that I think if you are a superhero fan, if you're a comic book fan, maybe even more so than My Hero Academia or My, or uh, One Punch Man that you should get into is Teen Titans. Now, this might also be cheating, but I am going to continue on anyway. I'm going to soldier on <laughs> because this show, for all intents and purposes, is a DC Comics anime. It is. Um, this is really, if you are a comic book fan, if you have a base knowledge or an in-depth knowledge of these characters, this is where you're going to want to start because this has all the tropes in the same way that our Avatar The Last Airbender is kind of that gateway for people who are more, I guess, inclined to Western cartoons. 
Teen Titans is the way to start if you are more inclined to comic books because it takes characters that you know, a world that you're familiar with, and puts them through a new lens. Um, this is also, in its format, probably the closest to the format of Western cartoons in that, the at least for the first season, the episodes are very much kind of their own story. The serialization is very loose. As the seasons went on, they started to make it a bit more serialized, but as a whole, every episode can be a one-and-done story as you go along with it. Uh, for pros, likable characters, the team of Teen Titans that they have constructed for this show is fantastic. Everyone, if you think of Teen Titans, this is the team that you've got. Robin, Cyborg, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy. Your core five really are at the heart of the show, they sell the show, and they carry the show. Uh, the DC Universe also gets a facelift in this show. You get to see <laughs> characters who you're familiar with. You get to see Kid Flash in a way you've never seen him before. You get to see the Doom Patrol. This was my first exposure to the Doom Patrol. You get to see them in this show. You get to see characters who you know, you've heard about, or you're familiar with, or you might have a thorough knowledge of and you get to see them in a whole new light I knew a lot about DC characters when I first started watching this but the treatment that they give to Speedy, to Aqualad to all of the characters in Titans East are really really interesting and really fun and set it apart from shows from more recent shows like Young Justice which take very which they take their universe very very seriously uh, the show is also excellent team-based storytelling. If there, if you don't like Robin, you will probably find another character. You might like Raven. You might like Beast Boy. You might like Cyborg. There is a wide cast of characters, all of whom get time to develop. Even on the villain side, characters like Slade, who was my first exposure to Deathstroke. You get my first exposure to Trigon. They take characters and storylines from the original new Teen Titans run from the 80s and really modernize it for a modern audience. Um, it's also, in that respect, a fantastic all-ages story. You can come to this as an adult, you can come to this as a kid and love it for similar reasons and also very different reasons. If you love these kind of stories, you will love this show. However, there are negatives to the show, of course. Um, the show was canceled way too soon. There are only five seasons, and there should have been a whole lot more. Um, in that respect, there are certain plot lines that are left wildly unfinished. The final episode <laughs> hurts my heart to watch, not just because it's the end of the show, but also because they drop the basically the premise of what a season six would have been and it's just left there you're never gonna find out fingers crossed may that i you... interject yes, for please. a moment um i would just like to um <clears throat> further your your case that this is a good gateway for anime because um what dragon ball gt is to, to dragon ball z is kind of like what teen titans go <laughs> Is to Teen Titans. And that was my next point in negative. Oh my god, was no, it? No, literally. Oh! Like, on my notes. It's, oh, um, okay. Teen Titans I'm sorry. Go. No, 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 you're good, you're good. I'm <laughs> glad you brought it up, because a lot of people who are not familiar with Teen Titans proper may be more familiar with Teen <laughs> Titans Go, which is a much more Western-style um, Adventure Time slash, you know those kind of shows that are much more like, hey, we're going to make, you know, 
15 minutes of jokes that don't really go anywhere. And that's, I think, in my personal opinion, a poor representation of the show and of those characters. Um, Teen Titans proper is really the way that you see the love for these characters. And if you have only watched Teen Titans Go, or you have not watched either of the shows, and you find that Teen Titans Go is more easily accessible, do the work, do the time, watch Teen Titans proper. Do not watch Teen Titans Go. Um, also, there is one uh, one con that I have to mention here. The show is very stylized. Even by anime standards, there are certain points in the show, certain elements. There are cutaways to what is called chibi versions of the characters that pop up every now and then that are very anime heavy. But in saying that, that also, I think, makes it a great entry point if you are not familiar with anime but are more familiar with superhero television in that you can take these characters with the anime trappings and that can be your gateway into more, I would say, heavily anime-influenced episodes and shows in that way. So that is why I think it's an excellent place to start. Now, where to start in the show, the way that I, and this might be, you know, this might be an un, uh, unpopular choice, but the place that I would start is in Season 5, Episode 10, titled Go. Because this is the origin of the team. This is how the team comes together. This is all of them meeting each other for the first time. Because when the, when the season starts, when the first season starts, when the show starts, they've already been a team for a short amount of time. Probably six months to a year. Which means they are all familiar with each other but they are still in that realm of butting heads. Cyborg and Robin butt heads a lot in that first season. Now, this episode specifically tells the origin of the team, shows how each of them are coming from their specific backgrounds. Robin just left from being Batman's sidekick. Beast Boy is on sabbatical from the Doom Patrol, and you really get to see all of these characters meet and engage with an alien invasion, the best way to bring a team together for the first time. And so if you watch that episode, because this is in season five, the final season, and at that point you you would think that they have their stuff together and they know what they're doing. So if you don't enjoy that first episode, this this episode, episode 10, season five, entitled Go, if you don't enjoy that, then the show probably isn't for you. But if you do enjoy it, you can jump straight from this episode into the first episode of the first season, and it is a... It is a chronological jump to those episodes. Now, the best place to find it, honestly, DC Universe. It's a streaming service and app. I have to do this every single episode. I have to reiterate, DC Universe does not sponsor this podcast, but they could totally sponsor. But they could. They could totally sponsor this <laughs> podcast. Um, but it is really the best place because they have the updated. Um, they have the updated remastered visuals on the show. All five seasons are on the app, and it is how I have been re-watching episodes to gear up and to get myself prepared for this show, for this episode. So it's an excellent show, especially if you have that basis like I did first coming into it. And it might be your first um, exposure to a lot of the characters that are involved in it. You know, there is an entire... Um, there's an entire episode where Robin leaves the team to go learn martial arts from a monkey on a mountain. And you get very heavy anime influences in this show to the point that if 
those are the things that interest you and those are the things that okay i was used to you know robin beast boy cyborg those kind of characters but now seeing them you know animeized which is not a word uh but if that interests you that it's a great um, measuring stick for you to then jump into something like a My Hero Academia or a One Punch Man or any of those shows. So that is my top pick. What is your final pick for an anime that you would introduce to someone who is just getting started? Okay. Well, my last pick. Now, I will preface this by saying I have not actually finished this anime. Um, <gasps> I know. Egad. Um, <laughs> Gasp. but, uh, but when you, when you bridged this subject, um, about us doing this episode, um, you know, I mean, there are plenty of anime that I have finished that I love very much. Um, but this one superseded all of them, even based off of my limited interactions with it. I'm now watching all of it so I can have like a proper educated opinion, but I still feel like it goes without saying that I think Samurai, uh, Champlo, is um a that, really good place that is an awesome pick and not one that i think a lot of people i wouldn't have thought to put on this so <laughs> talk about the premise what is the show about so okay so let's a young girl is on a mission to find the samurai that smells of sunflowers and in the premiere episode or two episodes because i think yeah it's two episodes um she happens across uh, Jin and Mugen, which are by all intents and purposes the odd couple if they really wanted to kill each other to see who would win. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, Jin is a very young girl and um, she, uh, by, you know, the, the, the two samurai and other characters gets often... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... Oh my god. Under, um, undervalued? I feel like I'm looking for, um, uh, people don't expect her to, to be able to do stuff. And she does. Underestimated. God, thank you. Um, <laughs> hi, yes, this is Kaden. Um, uh, she gets underestimated a lot. And, um, it's her, uh, in, oh my god. I should have rehearsed to, all to, my. To, to preface $10 this for words. the audience, um, we are recording this um, ahead of the actual episode being dropped, and Kanan has just started a new job over at Starbucks. So we're recording this at. We started right around one um, thirty ish, two o'clock. Uh, Kanan started this job at Starbucks and had a training shift from five a.m. until when? Uh, um, 6 a.m. until um, pretty much 12. Um. So, so Kanan has effectively been up since 5 in the morning, and he very graciously came on the podcast after working this shift uh. so that he could give me his expertise and his, um, his views. So... Um, Please, if you if you hear Gaten, you know, being a little tired, it's because he is very tired. <laughs> this guy is working two jobs during this quarantine pandemic. He is a much braver soul than I. So, uh, continue on, please. Um, uh, she she has her moments of ingenuity. Thank you, Eric, for stalling so I could remember that word. 
Um, uh, so, so she's, she's really probably the emotional core of this story. And then you have Jin and you have Mugen. And, um, it's really hard not to describe these two characters without just immediately going into the first, um, couple of pros. Um, they, um, are immediately set up with a rivalry and in the first two episodes end up pissing off the same baron of the land in two different ways and end up, you know, uh, end up being bottlenecked together into a situation where they're both going to get beheaded by the same guy. Uh, so, so Mugen voiced by the legendary dub master of all time, Stephen Blum. Love Steve Blum. Oh my God. He's I, the I, voice I, of Tom in, uh, from Toonami. Also, he's probably the most recognized voice of Wolverine. In every mm-hmm. single aspect, um, I know that Steve Blum listens to this podcast. So, hello, Steve. Wait, really? No. Oh. <laughs> hey, this could be the time. But man. he could. He could. This could be he it. Could. Steve Blum, if you are listening, you are wonderful. You are fantastic. Thank you for following me on Instagram that one time. I don't know if you are still following me, but it's great. So, continue on. Your Steve perfor- Blum is your fantastic. performance. Uh, Steve Blum, your performance is up as up. When I was uh, thirteen years old, made me cry. And um, that was how I was introduced to your talents. Oh, that's so right. He, yeah, yeah, dude. He's he's like he's like the Kevin Bacon of dub. <laughs> he is so the Kevin Bacon of dub. Uh, so he voices Mugen, and Mugen is um, boy, I can't remember which one was messy and which one was proper, Felix or Oscar in the Odd Couple. Uh, I think it was Oscar. Okay, well. Mugen's the messy one. Mugen um, fights. Uh, he's represented in a lot of the imagery by a rooster, and so he's just got this like this kind of sketch, kind of jazzy energy to him. I mean, like he fights with his sandals because there's metal plates on the bottom. Like he does. Um, uh, okay, sorry. I have to take a step back. I just before I tell you about the characters, I have to. Uh, uh, because the the qualities of the characters touch upon what I think makes this such a great introductory anime. Because, um, so it is set in Japan, but it's set during, like, feudal Japan. And on a very cursory surface layer, I feel like that's accessible because, you know, your relative, you know, average person knows what a samurai looks like. And, you know, has probably been intrigued by either, like, medieval or... F- feudal Japanese, um, you know, imagery and storytelling before. Um, so I feel like, you know, it's, it's very accessible in that, uh, you know, that it, it looks like something you may have seen before, but it also does a beautiful job of constantly, um, there's a word for Eric, but, um, what is it called when like you play in a historical setting, but like you do things that are not period. Like, um, in the book, the princess bride, um, Wesley goes to New York. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's in the book. That is a thing that happens. So like, I, there is a there is a label for it, but it's that kind of playfulness that people really enjoy um, when something period isn't like oh like this is this is for fun this isn't like some historically accurate tale. Um, so uh, Samurai Champlo plays with that a lot, and Mugen and Jin are a lot to do with that. So like you know, um, Mugen basically break dances when he fights hip hop. Um, is a is a really big core to this. Like, Huge. go look up 
the 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 theme song to Samurai Champlo and like bam that's the whole soundtrack it gets it it only gets better from there you know there's some jazz and some hip hop so he like fights in this like breakdance style um and uh you know he's just he's reckless and wild and he just wants to fight really powerful people and um then there's Jin who you know is like like a like a calming stream and he wears glasses in feudal Japan so you know more about that playfulness, you know, and he's very stoic and he's very classically trained and very honorable and soft spoken and stuff like that, but is a total, um, you know, a total badass all the same. And they just constantly clash against each other. They're just two sides of a different coin. And, uh, and Jin's running around trying to like toss the coin in the right direction. Cause she has a quest, um, that she needs them to help with um so it's you know it's a lot of fun i think kind of a pro and a con to it is that um you know um episode by episode is really a contained little plot so you know at its best it makes it very bite sizable you can watch the first two episodes together they tell a complete story and um from there you can just kind of on a whim be like yeah i'm gonna watch another episode of that samurai show and you'll get a full little you know a, a full little narrative in 30 minutes and then you can be done. So in that kind of sense, it's, you know, um, it's very easy. Uh, by the same token, I feel like if you like binge a lot of it really fast, then you're like, okay, like, so who is this samurai that smells of sunflowers? And when do we meet him? <laughs> um, again, I haven't finished it. I think at most beforehand, I think I got like 20 or 30 episodes into it. And that was a really long time ago. Um, I think, think there's 50 if there could be upwards of 80 i'm not sure uh but that's another pro as far as an anime goes relatively contained storytelling so you know there is an end in sight there are not four thousand episodes uh but yeah so i sometimes it can feel a little meandering like it reminds you hey there is a super objective uh <laughs> but uh but yeah and and i guess another con maybe is that um you know, it's, um, it's a feudal setting and it's an anime. So, so, um, oh boy, it, um, so you bet you, you better little... be ready for, for stuff that would happen in feudal yeah. Japan. Oh yeah. In an anime. For, the, for some promiscuity and some, uh, did anyone ask for a little bit of sexism? Uh, that's there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a mature show <laughs> for sure. It's a mature show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas something My Hero-esque, you can probably get away with sharing that with someone younger, except for Sticky Ball Man. But this is definitely this is definitely for adults. Um, <laughs> but you know, it just it has this playfulness and um, and this this energy to it that is just really alluring, and I feel like is honestly a, a great first step into something that is completely different. But, like, there's enough things you recognize in it that you can go along for the ride, you know? I, and I feel like a big part of that is, like, you know, it's it's base in playing with history. And, like, that soundtrack bops, man! Those <laughs> hip-hop jams are so beautiful. And it's elegantly drawn. You know, a lot of anime, like, your shonen animes, um, 
you know, those come out like bam, 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 so fast that, you know, you find in that animation through no fault of the creators. Like, I mean, they're doing a hard job making things super fast, super quick. But, you know, there are a lot of visual shortcuts that you take in anime. You know, like, think of, like, an overblown example, but, like, Speed Racer, as far as, like, that kind of, like, I'm stock still, but my mouth is moving. That kind of a thing that, you know, is not, it's not that bad in, like, a lot of anime. But, I mean, you know, that happens. It's a shortcut you have to take for the volume of work that you're making. Um, Samurai Champlo, however, you know, um, really gets to be as fluid as it wants with this animation style. I don't think the same kind of constraints were put on it as your really popular shonen animes usually, um, you know, are. So the art style is just, whew, it's fluid and fights like it, you know, are as kinetic and and easy to follow as, you know, something like a big budget blockbuster. So the episode I'm going to recommend to you, um, dear audience, uh, is uh, is episode nine. The episode, and I feel like this is a hook in of itself, is titled beatbox bandits yes <laughs> oh man and i almost don't want to spoil it but there is a there is a scene involving a field of marijuana and mugen and it getting lit on fire and the hallucinations that follow that is just <laughs> like the music and the fight and the the out of this world like weird animation stuff that happens as you watch him on a lucid dream i mean it's just it's all the high notes man this episode has got all of it all of the characters are involved it's just it's it's episode nine so it's a really good indication i feel like you know of because i've if you've never seen it what i told you in the beginning about Jin mugen and um you know Oh my god, I'm so bad at names. I literally have the Wikipedia page, so I don't forget any of, any of these characters. <laughs> but Foo, there we go, sorry, Foo. You know, you know what you need to know, and I nine episodes in, we haven't broached the really big, like, questions about what Foo is looking for, that you don't really have to worry about spoilers. So, good place to start. Good indication. Yeah, it's and it's such an interesting choice because I remember watching it growing up, and that was my first big um, exposure to like how um, how hip hop, how rap music can blend really well with anime. Like we see it all the time now, but back when this first came out, is it was much more of an oddity, and that was something that definitely made it stand out from other anime at the time. Um, and I like that we didn't. We didn't plan this. We didn't, like, um, we just found out about each other's picks now. But, like, I like that we have, like, we each have, like, a pick that's more Western anime-based. We each have a pick that's, like, pretty purely anime. And then we each have a pick that's a little bit more deep-cut and more adult, mature anime. So if you are looking for something in one of those three categories, like, you have two picks for each category. So that's really cool. I like how we did that. <laughs> Um, so honestly, like these are such, such great places to start your anime journey. Um, I should have asked this earlier, but Kanan, what was your first anime? Oh, uh, Prithy. I, I, um, I meant to ask this earlier and I don't know why I didn't, but whoops. What was the uh, first one? So, okay. 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 Boogie board. Let me paint a picture. Boogie boarding. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you watch so, how i met your mother and you got that thumbs up for you i think if i had been born just a year or two earlier then i would have uh ridden the same wave you did on like you know dragon ball z but to be honest especially like growing up and not having f- friends for a long time <laughs> this podcast I just, is I'm, real yeah real talk um true stories anyways um i didn't like you know i didn't have a bunch of grade school kids who were watching because that dragon ball z was like everything to roughly around like our generation of children Mm -hmm. i remember being very young and seeing it on toonami and i think i got turned off when as a kid i watched cell eat somebody and was like oh no (laughs) so it wasn't for a very long time before i got into anime and it was on Cartoon Network, and I remember being, like, 12 years old when goddamn Naruto started on Cartoon Network, and I just, like, <laughs> I'm making a very shocked face. I just remembered that this is a podcast and that my expression means nothing to anyone, but, like, I lost my mind watching the first, like, two or three episodes aired back to back to back to back to back, and it was just, I mean... That's a better snap. That, I was hooked. And, um, you know, from there, my tastes developed, and I met people who watched, like, anime other than that. And I would also like to point out that, you know what? Let people like the anime that they like. (laughs) You know, that's a big thing. Because, honestly, to be honest, another barrier for me in anime for a long time was when someone would be like, oh, you like anime? And I'm like, yeah, I like Naruto. And then they're like, oh, and i'm like oh okay i just won't watch other anime (laughs) (laughs) no and i i absolutely that's a stunning that's a stunning impression of that person by the way because everyone has (laughs) met that person um but yeah i there's a big barrier because there are a lot of quote-unquote gatekeepers when it comes to anime just as a genre and it's unfortunate because i think there is room for a lot of people to be fans of more deep cut stuff to be fans of more uh, mainstream stuff and when we kind of divide people in that way it really hurts the community as a whole so I think you absolutely should have the freedom to to love who you love and love what you love. And the anime that you love, you know, could be something wildly different than what we like. You know, you could watch My Hero Academia and you could love the sticky ball guy. You know, you are allowed to have your wrong opinion. And I think that people are... (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what's kind of lovely about anime as a whole is just like western cartoons just like western comic books like there is something there for everybody if you like if you like something that somebody else doesn't like chances are they you will find another anime that you both like so this is really just kind of a starting place for you to jump into what anime is how it can be presented and how you as an audience member can consume it and from here you can branch off to pretty much anything you could jump into a neon genesis evangelion you can jump into a cowboy bebop you can jump into the masterpiece that is akira like you can find your way through all of this just getting started and i think that's you know it's a great place to start and i think it's a great time to jump in because there it's almost i would say just as if not more accessible than it's really ever been Mm mm-hmm 
honorable mention real quick, because um, this was, I mean, this was close to taking this spot of Champlow, but I figured I'd pick the one that I feel like is, like, less talked about. Um, but Full Metal Alchemist, you can go, like, yes. OG Full Metal Alchemist, or you can go Brotherhood if you really want, like, a more, like, condensed story that's going to, like, get you there where you need to go faster than, you know, I would say Brotherhood. Um, there's the Absolutely. whole purest thing about it, but that's you know, absolutely agree <laughs> i it was almost on my list too yeah it was almost oh, on my list because it is a fantastic anime it really is and i would say you know there are a lot of anime sensibilities about it that are more like deep cut anime so like if you watch one of these one of the six that we've mentioned here you enjoy it chances are you jump to either the original Full Metal Alchemist or Brotherhood you will love those because they are absolutely fantastic and there's something that uh, just uh, to clarify real quick, um, yes. in case there are people that don't know, um, briefly, the distinction between Full Metal Alchemist, like the original anime that aired, and Brotherhood, is that the anime um, was running consecutively with the manga, and then it outpaced it by a hot mile, and they kind of <laughs> just had to come up with their own ending. Um, Brotherhood posthumously years after the manga has been finished is kind of a way of recontextualizing all of that and following more closely the story of oh of the og manga so just in case you were like what the hell is the difference between those two things you said that are almost the same that's the difference just wanted to throw that out there in case no that's excellent thank you for making that distinction because it is it is tough and a lot of um, a lot of animes go through like remasterings or they'll do like a different version of it like Berserk you can find one version of an anime you can find a movie series you can find you know all different versions of an anime so I would say it really depends because I grew up with Full Metal Alchemist like the original and I was there the day that Full Metal Alchemist Conqueror of Shambhala released on DVD and I got that DVD but like if you want to have more of a purist experience with it, where it follows cl more closely to the original manga, absolutely go with Brotherhood. The, both of them have both of them hit on most of the same story beats, with some wild differences here and there. But they're both excellent. They're both absolutely worth your time. So, Kanan, thank you very much for being one on more the thing. podcast. Yes, may I say one more thing? Go. I ahead. also. Um, Okay, so given that we are both um, male-identifying people in our 20s, I feel like a lot of our picks involve a lot of punchy, punchy, bang, bang, you know, lots of that kind of stuff, which Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're both also like into comics and stuff like that. So I mean, there's a sense. lot of punchy, punchy, bang, bangs in comics. There's a lot of punchy, punchy, bang, bangs in all sorts of media, but I just wanted uh, as as one more little denouement is that literally there is anime about every damn thing <laughs> yeah, so you know true. like you want some romance you you know you want some fruit baskets you want some you know some really awesome gay romance yuri on ice like i mean there is just literally like search anime about x you know, and you could discover something that no one's ever told you about, and it's totally up your alley, you know, and like, that's just, that's the freedom of anime is, you know, as much as there are tropes and identifying things about anime that you can find across all of it, like, you can literally just find something that just, mm, you know, that could serve you better than any of our suggestions, because it is totally like your alley that you found all on your own. Watch it sub, watch it dub, you know, like... Who cares? You found that. 
So that's just, I wanted to say that. Well, I absolutely agree. And there's like a lot, there's plenty of sports anime that are out there. Um, one of my favorites, which is a deep cut and is not a punchy, punchy, bang, bang <laughs> anime at all is uh, Hikaru no Go. That is like one of my favorite deep cuts. And it's basically, it's about chess, essentially. So it's like, there are a myriad, just like in comics, of different stories to be told with different lead characters, different plots, different um, narrative devices. And there is absolutely worth something for everybody. And there is absolutely no wrong way to enter into anime. Well, no, there's no wrong way to enter into <laughs> anime. Um, and I think it's that's something that's beautiful about the about the genre. So thank you for coming on the show. It has been a long time coming. Um, <laughs> for a little bit of context, Kanan and I met in college doing theater. And uh, Kanan currently lives in New Mexico. And, of course, still in Los Angeles over here. So it's it's good to kind of get this, you know, get these connections, especially during, you know, in times like these. I don't know how many commercials you hear that start with, like, that oh phrase. Um, but it really is great to, like, reconnect with people and connect with people over stuff that you, you love. Like, when I was, you know, kind of conceptually putting this whole series together, you know, you were one of the first names that I thought of to put in this. And so I'm glad that you got to be in it and that you may be returning by the end of our little series here. Oh, 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 because um, I oh. will be <laughs> because <laughs> here live on the air on the first episode of anime because because anime and the, you get it. Um, I would love to extend the invitation to you to return for our final episode at the end of this month to talk about your top five anime of all time. Okay. Well, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. We got our first one. We got one on the board. So, oh my um, God. So definitely tune in for that at the end of the month. Throughout this entire month, it's going to be chock full of anime content. I thought that this would be a great way to kick that off by giving you your kind of gateway into the genre. And we are just going to be diving headfirst into the genre as the weeks go by. So once again, Canon, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you it was for a having pleasure. me. Um, and I can't wait to discuss you know, what your top five anime of all time are going to be. I hope I make you proud, Azana Senpai. <laughs> Sorry, I've been waiting to do that all this time. <laughs> <laughs> It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And here this week we are reviewing Harley Quinn Season 2, specifically Episode 5, entitled, What Did You Think? So this episode takes kind of a drastic turn from typical uh, Harley Quinn show. 
from the typical Harley Quinn show, because Harley Quinn and her merry band of misfits aren't really in this episode. If you are a fan of the Bat Family, this is a great episode for you, because we are putting the spotlight squarely on the members of the Bat Family featured in this show, specifically Batman, Jim Gordon, and the new Batgirl, Barbara Gordon. So uh, they make a really great dig at um, Last Jedi haters and the uh, Snyder Cut people. Um, It's so funny at the very beginning. It's great stuff. Big fan of that. Um, But it really, you know, is kind of sold as a different style of episode. Batman is still recovering from uh, basically having an entire building dropped on him. So he's not physically able to fight crime as Batman, while uh, Barbara has been palling around as Batgirl, you know, getting her name out there, doing live streams and stuff of her fighting crime, which is exactly like how Batgirl would be and how Batgirl in uh, Batgirl of Burnside was. So it's a great adaptation of that version of the character. And so um, the two of them basically have to team up because Batman is not physically able to fight crime and Babs really needs a guiding force in her life. And so the two of them team up with Jim Gordon to accomplish that. Now, Batman, played wonderfully by Diedrich Bader, is kind of raging against the dying of the light here because he's not physically able to fight, but he still believes that he can. Uh, Sassy Alfred is on full display in this episode and it is glorious but uh the big thing here is that we finally get to see really what bane is made of i was a big fan of the treatment of bane here he has always been you know the laughing stock of the show which is funny and it's a great turn for the character but getting to see him really just beat the ever loving shit out of batman in this episode especially in his iron man armor which was blatantly ripped off from Iron Man um, was really, really cool. I know it's, you know, similar to the um, the Hellbat armor, but the treatment of it with the jets and, like, the shot inside the helmet was very clearly MCU Iron Man. Uh, and Bane just fights him and just beats the holy hell out of him. Just, like, at one point he, like, whips him and, like, breaks both of his legs across, like, a steel uh, pillar. Like, it is brutal. So by the end of the episode, uh, Bruce is still recovering. He is now kind of given the reins over to Babs. And so she is now going to team up with Gordon to try and take the city back. Um, great episode. Uh, I think it was a really nice kind of change of pace. It was a really good break because we came to a pretty... Um, I would say a pretty good jumping off point for the Harley arc so far. And this is kind of like a, like an intermission for us so that we can jump back in next week with the rest of the story. Overall, really great episode. Uh, it's not super indicative of the show as a whole. So if this is your first episode, you might be surprised by the rest of the show. But um, overall, I really, really liked it. You ask me in the title of the episode, what did you think? I think it's one of the... Uh, I think it's one of the best episodes this season, and not just because I am a huge fan of this version of Batgirl and the treatment of um, of Jim Gordon, as well as featuring the boy Bane. And with Bane, this really does set him up to be like the next guy for Harley and for Harley and her crew to go after, because Two Face is clearly manipulating Bane. 
And uh, I really liked that, by the way. Two-Face kind of manipulating Bane into being essentially like his right-hand man rather than his like equal parts partner, uh, I thought was really well done. And so to get to Two-Face, they're going to have to go through Bane. So it sets up a really good, um, I guess, like a, a really good mountain for them to climb, especially now that we know that he, when properly motivated, will just completely wreck all of them so really good way to raise the stakes by putting him up against batman who is our you know our measuring stick he's the bar so uh really looking forward to next week's episode so that is going to do it for this week's weekly review tune in next week for the next episode but for now we're going to roll right on to this week's comics callback Welcome back to this week's Comics Callback, where each week I talk about the five comics that I think you should go back and read, whether it's on Comixology, DC Universe app, or whether you just go back to your shelf and dust off your old copy of the book. Last week, we talked about five comics featuring Superman analogs, and this week, category is Robert Kirkman. Now, most people know Robert Kirkman for The Walking Dead. It's probably the comic that he is most famous for when it comes to mainstream audiences. But Kirkman has written a lot of comics, and so this week we're going to be spotlighting five comics that he has written and written well. But the reason that I'm spotlighting Robert Kirkman this week is alongside DC Comics and other comics companies releasing comics into uh, shops all over the world at this point uh starting this week we're also getting a new series from robert kirkman with one of my favorite artists chris somni big big fan of his and their new series is called firepower basically the lead character goes back to china to discover his roots and finds that he is embroiled in this group basically trying to find try to rediscover the lost art of throwing fireballs so it's going to be very martial arts heavy very um fantasy heavy really looking forward to it and this week our neighbor's dog if you can hear it is very excited about firepower oh the joys of recording in a apartment complex I think she's done. Anyway, um, so basically, um, they put they plan to put out a full-on graphic novel called The Prelude, which is going to give you all of the exposition you need to jump right into the story. It was supposed to come out for uh, Free Comic Book Day, but instead, they are releasing it as a graphic novel that you can go pick up. I ordered my copy on Amazon. And I'm just waiting for it to get to me, so I'm really excited to read it. But it uh, got me thinking that we should talk about Robert Kirkman's stuff, because really, uh, with mainstream audiences, once again, um, he's really only known for The Walking Dead, and there are so many great comics that he's written. So let's go ahead and dive into the top five, which kicks us off over in Marvel. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that he wrote Marvel comics, but he did. And so uh, it might be low-hanging fruit, but the first comic that we have on the list is Marvel Zombies. Uh, specifically, Volume 1 starts you right off at the beginning of the story. Uh, this is written by Robert Kirkman with art by Sean Phillips, and we'll go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
torn from the pages of Ultimate Fantastic Four. On an Earth shockingly similar to the Marvel Universes, an alien virus has mutated all of the world's greatest superheroes into flesh-eating monsters. It took them only hours to destroy life as we know it. But what happens when they run out of humans to eat? Follow their search for more food and witness the arrival of the Silver Surfer. So, I would say arguably Marvel Zombies was at its best in this first volume. Uh, this was back when it was a fairly new concept. And watching the superheroes try and fail to combat a zombie virus is pretty compelling. There's some really great character moments, some really sad and emotional character moments. And then there's also, you know, the ridiculousness of superheroes being zombies. So, it's a great book, especially if you are a fan of his stuff on The Walking dead and want to check out some more of his stuff that's a little bit more fantastical and speaking of the walking dead next up we have walking dead volume one days gone by this is uh written by robert kirkman of course with art by tony moore this is what started it all if you are a fan of the tv show this is the book for you uh especially because the tv show took some artistic liberties with the actual source material so if you read this comic you will find yourself surprised by a lot of the stuff that happens here uh walking dead the comic just wrapped up like completely and totally uh just recently so you've got a lot of reading ahead of you but it is a great point to start at with uh the first volume of this book so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here the world we knew is gone the world of commerce and frivolous necessity has been replaced by a world of survival and responsibility. An epidemic of apocalyptic proportions has swept the globe, causing the dead to rise and feed on the living. In a matter of months, society has crumbled. No government, no grocery stores, no mail delivery, no cable TV. In a world ruled by the dead, the survivors are forced to finally start living. That sounds a lot like what's going on right now. I'm not going to lie. You know, in a matter of months, society has crumbled. No government, no grocery stores, no mail delivery, no cable TV. It's like the next step on what is going on right now. Um, but this is a great book, honestly. Uh, I remember when this first came out, and it really turned a lot of heads because at that point, the zombie genre wasn't as oversaturated as it is now. Um, but it's honestly a great book. This is Robert Kirkman firing on all cylinders, and it's honestly one of my favorite reads. Next up, another favorite of mine is Robert Kirkman's Irredeemable Ant-Man. Back over at Marvel, uh, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Phil Hester. This is so good um, because it is so bad. It is just Marvel Universe at its worst. Um, I'm, let's jump into the synopsis, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. A new superhero is born when Eric O'Grady, a low-level S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, finds Hank Pym's new Ant-Man suit. But O'Grady has no intention of using his newfound powers to help anyone but himself. So, basically, this is Ant-Man as a villain. Eric O'Grady is one of the 
just worst piece of shit people in the entire history of the Marvel Universe. And in this book, you really get to see him be a terrible person. If you've always wanted to see uh, what an average slash awful person would do with the Ant-Man technology... This is the book for you. There's a lot of bad stuff that Eric O'Grady does. He is an irredeemable person, as the title would suggest. And it is honestly one of my favorite, favorite runs on anything Ant-Man. It is a fantastic read and something that I'm hoping that they will slowly bring into the MCU. I think it'd be a cool way to um, continue the Ant-Man story as we head on into Phase 4, 5, and beyond. Next up, we have Thief of Thieves, Volume 1, uh, written by Robert Kirkman and Nick Spencer, with art by Sean Martinborough, or Martinborough, Martinbroff, I know I said that wrong, and I apologize, and Felix Serrano. Now, this is something a little different, and what this is, is it's heists, it is espionage, it is a comic that you don't you wouldn't normally associate with Robert Kirkman, but it is a just fantastic, fantastic story. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Conrad Paulson lives a secret double life as Master Thief Redmond. There isn't nothing he can't steal, nothing he can't have, except for the life he left behind. Now, with a grown son he hardly knows, and an ex-wife he never stopped loving, Conrad must try to piece together what's left of his life before the FBI finally catch up to him. But it appears they are the least of his worries. So Thief of Thieves is one of those comics that really kind of flew under the radar. Um, it's not a comic that a whole lot of people know about, which is a shame because it's a great story. Conrad Paulson is an incredible lead in this story, and I'm just... I'm a huge fan of heists. It's something that immediately brought me to the book, and I was hooked from the first issue. It's a fantastic story with great characters, really good world building, the stuff that Robert Kirkman always excels at. It is absolutely worth your time to check out. And finally on the list, I think it's probably the obvious pick, but it's obvious for a reason. It's Invincible. Uh, specifically, Volume 1, Family Matters, uh, written by Robert Kirkman with art by Corey Walker, though Ryan Otley would kind of become the uh, the artist synonymous with the series. Um, this is just, it's Robert Kirkman's magnum opus, even more so than, uh, than I would say The Walking Dead is. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Mark Grayson is just like most everyone his age. He's a senior at a normal American high school. He has a crappy part-time job after school and on weekends. He likes girls quite a bit, but doesn't quite understand them. He enjoys hanging out with his friends and sleeping late on Saturdays, at least until the good cartoons come on. The only difference between Mark and everyone else is that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. And as of late, he seems to be inheriting his father's powers, which sounds okay at first, but how do you follow in your father's footsteps when you know you will never live up to his standards? Get in on the ground floor because it all starts here. Strange things to begin to happen to Mark Grayson as he begins to develop superpowers. Luckily, his dad is around to show him the ropes. At least he would be if it weren't so busy saving the world all the time. Mark is forced to go out on his own to try and figure out how all the superheroing business works. The results are a monumental disaster. At least until he gets the hang of it. 
watch Mark thwart thieving supervillains, alien invasions, and all sorts of craziness. So that's a lot. That's a big synopsis. But it really kicks off an entire saga, which is one of the best superhero comics that I've ever read. Uh, Invincible is very clearly uh, based on a lot of the superhero tropes that we've come to know and love but it it's through the lens of Robert Kirkman's writing that you get to see some of the most interesting directions that a superhero story can take uh, this story is brutal there are later chapters that deal with some really serious subject matter uh, there is death there is blood there is gore there is a lot of brutality in this as you would expect from a Robert Kirkman book but it's also got a ton of heart it's a really fun read with lots of adventure and just a heartfelt story at the center of it it's a fantastic book and it is the one book that i would absolutely recommend that you read if you're interested at all in robert kirkman's writing but that does it for this week to recap we have marvel zombies volume one the walking dead volume one days gone by irredeemable ant-man volume one low life Thief of Thieves, Volume 1, and Invincible, Volume 1, Family Matters. Now, um, I would also definitely recommend you go and check out Firepower. Uh, if you can get your hands on the uh, Prelude Volume, it's going to be full of great character work and stunning art. So I can't wait to pick it up, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. Uh, we're going to be continuing on, as I said earlier uh, in this episode, with Comics Callback all the way through the month of May. At the end of this month, we will be uh, kind of reevaluating, seeing if we will be bringing back uh, the Comics um, comics Catch-Up. That took me a second. Whoa, that was weird. Um I think we've officially been doing comics callback enough that it that I had to I had to think about what the former segment was called. So uh, really, just the passage of time. Once again, time has no meaning. But um, I'm really interested to see how the comics industry shakes up from here. But I like going back and kind of recommending stuff that maybe you've never read before or you have read but you haven't picked up in a while. So um, like I said. Stay tuned. We will continue to do comics callback all the way through the month of May. And um, after that, who knows? And that brings us to the final segment of this week's podcast, The Wrap-Up. Uh, if you liked what you heard this week, feel free to give us a uh, subscribe subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review especially on itunes it really helps us out um giving us ratings giving us reviews helps us get out there and into the orbit of listeners just like you and if you do leave a uh, five-star review and a um full-on review not just your rating uh, i will read it on the podcast currently we only have one uh rating or one review on itunes and i would love to get more reviews so that i can read them um this podcast really honestly is by a geek for geeks so getting your feedback always helps and that's going to wrap up you know this first installment of anime i'm really excited about this month i've been thinking about it for a while i've been putting it together for a little while and i'm really excited about all the episodes that we have uh these three episodes initially with a different guest each week are going to culminate at the end of the month with a full-on round table with all of these current guests god willing knock on wood um talking about our favorite 
anime. I'm really excited for you to uh, get in on all of these discussions. It is going to be a great time, and I can't wait to have those discussions with my guests. This week's guest was Cannon Bactel. Next week, we are going to be doing a full-on discussion on anime through the ages, discussing anime from back in our childhood, anime now, comparing and contrasting them through the decades as they've gone on and the art form has evolved. And it will be featuring another newcomer, another new guest of the podcast, John Noble. So look forward to that next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Zana. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. stop now i am going to also press stop now okay real quick i have to pee oh i just hit the record button again i didn't stop